Citizen Reporter number 391, 19th of September, 2011. I really like this series. There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. But in my world, you have nothing to fear. Um, and if you don't have a sense of shared purpose, national purpose, um, then all it is is a pyramid scheme. All it is is, 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 is uh, you know, uh, who's standing on top of whose throat. Uh, so to begin with, I'll welcome the audience. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to citizenreporter.org. And I think I'm beginning a series today. And I say I think because sometimes these things in the course of two or three days get worked out. And I've been speaking with some friends. Uh, some of you in the audience will remember Jay and Ryan uh, from the world of video blogging and Ryan is Hungry. And we were talking about, they were here visiting me in the Netherlands. And as many of you listening may know, I live in this a different kind of house. Um, I'm still in Amsterdam, so I'm not living off the grid or anything like that, but I am living differently than most people do in this city. And we started to discuss how friends of ours, people we know, live differently and have chosen sort of everything from what kind of job they're going to do, define their own work, and then the people who have defined where they're going to live and how they're going to live. And so they began to tell me about uh, Mikey and Wendy, who are on the line right now from New Mexico. So first of all, uh, welcome to the program, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Hello. And so I I'm looking at them through video. You podcast audience don't get to enjoy it, but it looks like a really nice day in New Mexico. Uh, they look comfortable. The sky looks blue. Meanwhile, here, it's just the sound of rain in the background. Um, let's go from the beginning. Um, you both were working in the in the regular world. I mean, Mikey, you were you were in the world of stocks. Yeah, I was on the IT side of it, but I, I worked on Wall Street for a big investment bank for eight years in New York, and um, I did a lot of open source work around Linux. I was a Unix guy there, and um, after eight years there, uh, I was ready to get out, and I just kind of quit one day. Um, I had met Wendy probably about four years into working there and from the moment we met it was kind of like how can I get out of this job and spend more time making stuff with you so I kind of I'd been wanting to get out of work for pretty much half my career there so I understand the job part for you Mikey uh, Wendy meanwhile what were you up to uh, at that time uh, I jumped ship from traditional employment a little sooner than Mikey so I had already bailed and I bailed on some good stuff. You know, I had my own PR firm. I had an office in New York, an office in L.A. I was doing really well. <laughs> I was an event producer. You know, I was really doing the dot-com thing was very good to me. Um, but I had already jumped ship from that. And when Mike and I got together, I was really um, working as a conceptual artist. So I had already kind of detached from, like, the big desire to have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so there it is, the, the desire to, to change, you had done it earlier, but the desire to change the working part. And we see that a lot. I think we all, between us even, we have a lot of friends who have done this. Um, how does it go from that to what about where we live? 
Well, um, I think it's it's a bit of a necessity if you're really if that if you're really committed to it. So, for example, you know, we looked around New York and said, well, what would it look like if we bought something here, you know, and stopped renting forever, you know? And it was like eight hundred thousand dollars for eight hundred square feet of like space in a crappy little nook of you know New York, and you know, it was just it would have been stupid not to look at what other options there were. So, so we looked. Yeah, I think you have to find your, you know, what kind of space do you need to do your your thing? You know, whatever uh, stuff you're interested in. Like, when I was in New York, I had a subscription to Home Power Magazine. And all the projects are, like, getting off-grid, you know, with wind or solar, or having an electric vehicle, or making your own biofuel. And I was interested in all those things, but it wasn't going to happen in New York. I mean, we were, we were trying to weld in New York yeah. from our apartment, and even that was like dragging a welder up three flights of stairs to the roof and all their metal <laughs> and all your tools. And you're up there for two hours, and it starts to rain. you got to bring it all back down. And, you know, it was, it's, it's a, it, it was just totally uncomfortable. So we knew we needed a big, like, kind of acre of space to go play. Like, we needed some remote land, not an apartment. We needed a place where we could be really noisy, couldn't be in a neighborhood. You know, we, we kind of had uh, some requirements for what we wanted to do next. Yeah. Uh, requirements, I, go ahead. Well, logically coupled with that is you have to have the time to do those things. So then you have to sort of get the monkey off your back and be like, how do I regain my time and become time rich? So um, moving to a place that's poor and essentially inexpensive became a really good idea. Poor. So you were specifically looking around at places that were... Cheap, low cost I mean, to live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We could afford to buy the place and not have debt, not have to get a job right away. Hmm. And so that could be anywhere, as far as you were concerned, in the United States. Yeah. Well, we we, we looked tried. we looked around. We looked in Northern California. We looked in Panama, outside of the United States. Um, I think realized at a point that if we thought too much about this decision, we might never make it. So when we happened in New Mexico, we said, good enough. Like, you know, we just kind of took a quick look and said, good enough, I did it. Because maybe we never would if we didn't kind of act. Hmm. And so uh, you, the place that you bought is also quite unique. Um, t- tell, tell the audience a bit about it. Uh, well, we bought a old trailer park that had been here for at least 50 years, kind of running as this RV park. So it had RV hookups every 15 feet with power and water and sewer. And that's kind of cool because you can be out working in the yard and just plug in a tool wherever you are, whether it's a big air compressor or a little angle grinder. You know, you can just plug right in. you got power, and that's that, for us, that's all off-grid power. Um, and uh, it's about a one-acre gravel lot that we bought with a beat-down 40-year-old mobile. <laughs> Uh, and it's got a geothermal hot spring, which is really where, what we paid for is to have, you know, hot water just coming out of the ground. And um, it's it's been kind of a great project for us because we knew we needed the space more than anything else. And it's, oddly enough, it's right in the middle of town. Um, yeah. So we, we're walking distance from grocery stores and, you know, rarely have to get in a car. Um that's one of the angles I was kind of curious about. Uh, I like talking to uh, friends who have moved, for example, to the country, to rural communities, and often what happens is they're the youngest people there. Um, not only that, it could either be one of two things. One, people are very happy to see young people. The other, people are very suspicious of these young people. Uh, 
that may not be the case. What was the case there in, in Truth or Consequences? Uh, we had a very similar experience. This is a town of mostly retirees. So people refer to us as the kids. Um, <laughs> it's kind of disorienting. Um, I'd say on the one hand, we kind of like it. It's really fine. I have no issues at all with it. And on the other hand, we often express that we wish there was more like creative competitiveness. You know, in New York City, for example, there were all these art groups, you know, Madagascar Institute and all these different groups. And we loved um, sharing resources, learning from each other, trying to impress each other. So there was this really nice um, creative competition. And um, we kind of didn't have it here. It was a little just us and our own momentum. Well, Mark, you're coming about when people move to a small town, um, sometimes they're happy to see young people and other times they're not. I think we moved into a really split bipolar community, which I also think is common in these rural places, is we have this old hippie community that's here, and they were happy to see us come in and try to do all these uh, projects. And then there's a ranching community, and they were totally fed up with the hippies and the art scene and other stuff here, buying the downtown area and trying to change the town into something that uh, something else than what it had been. So it was a, kind of a split community when we moved in, and I think we're one of the few people that moved here that really made friends on both sides. Because the old ranchers, you wouldn't think would be too into us doing this, you know, green projects and stuff, but they love it. They are so into, like, building with garbage and uh, biofuels and others, and they were so, in PV systems. They would come up all the time to the point we had to build, like, massive fences and lock the gate and have huge steel doors just to keep them out. <laughs> and fundamentally, I think the reason for that is two things. One, all the issues we're confronting in our own exploration of, like, how does one live independently are fundamental issues that everybody reckons with, from food to power to shelter to fuel. Um, what was mm. the other reason? Now I forgot. I mean, it's just, we were really hands-on. We were doing stuff, they could oh, see it. And the other reason was, we have an open source mentality, so everything we do, we make transparent, we share. So, right. you know, that was really welcoming. So people would come to our door with their utility bill and be like, what do I do? You know, so... So does this mean you've actually played some role in the community have people seen what you've done with power or what you've done with uh, types of construction and they're doing it out there definitely um we've <laughs> also hosted a couple of events so on the one hand i think you know you can't be around a manically busy couple and not start sweeping if you know what i mean so here we are like working 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 we're hyperactive plus we're from new york you know <laughs> we have a lot of energy so people around us just started picking up on that. Um, but then we also did some things that were very intentional. Um, we, we host an annual homestead event here where we bring homesteaders in from all over the country. And we just teach each other workshops on how to do things. Um, but we also bring that out to the community. So we've hosted events like one called um, Better Living Through Experimentation, where we bring speakers in to talk about ways that they've solved fundamental problems in new ways. Hmm. And uh, to talk a little bit more about, about how you're living, uh, what's very interesting is you guys have gotten into uh, areas like construction of the buildings that, that you've added on to what was already there. Um, even what goes on inside the house, appliances, food. I mean, there is every area, basically, of your, your life seems like you're, you're busy tinkering 
Yeah, I think we have to, we've kind of taken ownership of anything that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, like, if the washing machine breaks, we're not going to call the repairman. One, because it's expensive. Two, because the repairmen here aren't that good. So, you can call someone out, they could charge you money and not fix it. And three, it's like, I'd rather just try to fix it myself. And if I break it, you know, it was already broken. So, <laughs> so we've kind of taken that. Like, yesterday I was doing my taxes, and I gave them to my accountant just to look over. I said, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks for every thousand you can reduce my return. And and she's like, you did a really good job. Like, you know, for someone who knows nothing about taxes and as complicated as you are, you know, you did a good job. So, like, we just try to take ownership of everything in our lives. Like, we do car repair even though we have no freaking interest in fixing cars. And we fix them well. Yeah, I mean, and actually just, our cars we fix, not other people. Yeah. And just before this call, I cut both of our hair. You yeah. know, like these things didn't, we weren't living this way before. But there's no risk in trying. Like, I think it really started with our 40-year-old mobile home. I mean, it was a real piece of shit. And we're looking at it like, what do we do when we first got here? So we're like, well, we can haul it to landfill for like $5,000. Or we can learn how to use power tools and just have a go at it. So, you know, we just learned how to use power tools. And we remodeled it and we put in bamboo floors and we sheetrocked it. And it's like amazing. It's like the best housing I've ever lived in. Um, So, you know, there's just... The more you do that, the more you realize you are creative and whatever you throw in front of yourself, you're going to find some creativity that you have in order to meet the need. Mm. Um, let's go, go over a little bit the, the um, in terms of work now, being there, because that's one of my concerns. I think a lot of people have that concern. Once you make the move, uh, you set up where you live, which is an ongoing process, I'm sure. You're always improving, always adding. But when it comes to you know, that, that you called it the monkey off your back. I was thinking about, you know, that need to pay certain bills. I get the feeling you've reduced your bills so much that the need for money may have declined a bit. Um, have things gone all right for you financially uh, in the last few years? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think we, we, we had some savings when we moved out here. So at least there was some time to get started to take on some projects and just, you know, buy some essential things and not be worrying about it. Um, I guess it's kind of surprising how much you spend initially to get into kind of a homestead environment. Uh, like we needed a fence and I don't know, what do you think a fence would cost for one acre? Mark, what, what would you guess? I have no idea. You know, <laughs> I saw the door of your fence and I was thinking, I, I know it's made of found material or rec- ups- upcycled oh. material, but I would be scared to have to pay for that door, like if if not for making it yourself. Right. Well, we we pay yeah, for parts of that yeah. too. Um, but anyway, what is it? Forty grand? I think we're yeah. I think we're in for almost forty grand on our fence. You know, and like that's not the kind of thing people are thinking about. I'm going to quit my job and and have this free time and do some sort of freelance work or whatever. They're not thinking about the forty thousand dollar fence they're going to have to build. So. Yeah. You know, there's there's unexpected expenses. So we we burned through pretty much all of our savings, and now we're kind of living, uh, you know, hand to mouth off consulting gigs and writing gigs and freelance stuff. Um, uh, we have a store that I wish we set up five years ago, where we're doing kind of medicinal um, uh, plants that we've been harvesting locally and selling those online. Uh, we have um, some electronic kits that I've been putting together. I have one out right now which converts. Uh, it does a lot of things, but it's a, t- a general temperature controller that converts um, chest freezers into high-efficiency refrigerators, and they can outperform any Energy Star models today. Yeah. Um, so, 
So that, that's, those are providing our basic income. And even right now, I'm doing some algae consulting to do, build some custom circuit boards for algae automation so that you can grow algae quickly for biofuel or nutraceutical. So we get a little work. I think Wendy's got a book deal that's somewhere on the table. So uh, that's that's enough that we've reduced our costs to the point where we can live off you know twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year and pay all the bills and not have any acquire any debt. So that's hmm. that's really our goal. Like no debt, minimal income. And if we make more some year, that's great because then the next year we can like focus more on the garden or add some new structure to the property. Uh, I think that's what I'd like to add to that is what's interesting in that is, you know, here we went from like six-figure incomes to $20,000 a year, right? But our quality of life has gone up. So on my six-figure income, I really couldn't have afforded to eat all organic, you know, milk from a farm. Um, in every way, my quality of life has really gone up and I'm earning less. And I think that's the important equation. Um, but, you know, you have to get off trend. You have to get off, um, you know, everything under that category of needing new before you really need it, you know, just for style. Um, you have to be willing to, like, garbage pick and remodel furniture. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade it because, you know, what you gain from that process is your own creativity, a great experience, new knowledge. And does it look like, I mean, when you look to the future, I don't mean to speed up our lives, your lives or mine, but when you look to the future... Uh, is this going to be continue to be a good place for you both? Good question. Yeah, I don't know if we can answer that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, uh, I can't answer we, that for my own life. That's the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're here because we like it here, and we'll stay till we don't like it. Um, yeah. You know, if they decide to open up uh, a silver mine next door to us, I think we'd take off. You know, I don't want to live in a place with contaminated water and diesel vehicles driving by. and That's not a like risk, that. is it? I don't think that's a real risk for us, but there is a lot of mining in New Mexico. And if we had chosen a more remote location, like a nearby town, we would be in the middle of those fights right now. Uh, you know, protecting water rights from mining. Well, we pop out and look around, you know, and whenever we do, we're like, nah, you know, there's nothing. You have to want to go somewhere in order to leave where you are. So nothing yet has any allure. Where would you yeah. go? Yeah. <laughs> You like Amsterdam, where else would you I'm, live? Right, well, uh, in talking to you and talking to other friends we have in common, I, uh, I start to question my, my commitment to cities uh, first, first of all. Um, I would go to Berlin. That would, <laughs> um, if I could, you know, if I could afford city. to make some kind of a move. Um, but if I had to go backwards for some reason and get out of the cities, uh, I, w I would go, go to Portugal. That's a whole other story, but my... My family is from Portugal. We have old house and, and properties. But one of the problems which you may have, I mean, you had to have faced, and I've seen a bit how you face these problems, would be that when I get there, say I come back to Portugal, to the old farm, I didn't grow up farming. Uh, you know, I barely paid attention to my grandfather while he was farming. Um, I don't know how to do a lot of those things that you would need to know and even just learning, the learning curve could be, uh, uh, well, a difficult one. So that's one of the fears, actually, and I'm sure a lot of people do have that fear. They're as perhaps uh, interested as anyone to do what you guys have done, but not willing to do it because they just don't know how. Um, we, didn't know. we don't know how to do things, too. I mean, we came here, we didn't, like, <laughs> just remodel a trailer. I mean, I'd never done drywall or tile work or trim. You know, we, we hired a local guy, and he came in, he showed us how to use all the tools, and we basically bought every tool he had, not from him, but, you know, used or whatever, and um, 
you know, we just listen to him. And that worked out really well because the New Mexico employee is a really bad employee. (laughs) You know, they're not, they don't have much of a work ethic out here. They don't need much to work. So as soon as they get paid, they kind of disappear. So it was great to just have him show us how to do it and we'll finish the rest. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, stage two comes and he'll come back and show us that stage. And, so. You know, people say all the time, how do you guys know how to do all this? And I'm like, we don't. There's this thing called YouTube, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. That's pretty often yeah. that we're like, okay, we got to right. go harvest something. Let's yeah. look at YouTube. And then, like, you know, you do it twice and you're the living expert and people want to interview you. And yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. People talking about what to do and, like, three people actually doing it. <laughs> so how much of your... Let's go to food. How much of your food do you grow yourself? I mean, Yeah. Well, or I'd say on a good yourself. Yeah, let's include, let's define that. Yeah, because there's a big difference between a good garden year and a bad garden year. But also, not just grow yourself, but make yourself. Yeah, so right, because you make sausage. Oh, you, you get, use, okay. Yeah, we make our wine. So, of our <laughs> consumption, I would say maybe 60. 60%. I'd say, I'd say less than half. Is ours. Really? And Consider that's a good dairy, year. bread, wine. I know, but we don't make all the flour. You know? We don't mm. make the flour. <laughs> there's there's yeah. ingredients that we make, <laughs> but if we broke everything into like ingredients, not even like whole dishes or anything, and including drinks and wild harvested stuff that we go out and gather in the desert, I think it's less than half on a good year. I think mm-hmm. it's 50 to 60. Okay. We disagree. Still, so this, gives you, this gives, I think this gives a pretty good idea already. I mean, half, you know, if everybody thinks yeah. of half of what they consume food wise uh, that's that's impressive when it comes to uh how do we call them resources from the outside world the 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 typical house ones uh, uh for heating for uh drinking and so on H- how many how much do you need from the outside world when it comes to the regular housing uh utilities uh well we we still have utility bills um even though we live off grid, since we're in the middle of town, we can just flip on a couple breakers and, you know, we switch from our system to the town. So it's the, basically the city power is our generator when our batteries get low. Um, okay. And during the summer, we flip back quite a bit because what happens here is it gets really hot in the summer, so we need cooling. You know, it's like 100 degrees pretty regularly this summer. So so we have, like, these, you know, swamp cores, but a fan that spits water and air and kind of it's a cheap air conditioner. And... Um, and, and it draws enough juice combined with refrigerators and stuff that we run out of power. And there's also, um, uh, it's a lot of clouds in the summer. It's our rainy season. So, um, so we need, we need juice in the summer. The rest of the year we have a surplus of electricity, so we don't get any utility bills, um, out the rest of the year, but we've had a utility bill as high as $50 this summer, which was very expensive for us. You know, usually $10. Usually it's 10 for the base. But anyway, Mm -hmm. our biggest expense, as we always bump into, is our cell phones and our data plans. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's that. You know, gas is like nothing. Our water bill, um, you know, we live in a desert and we grow our food. This year we had a drought. Guess we needed a lot of water, you know? So we're spending 60 bucks a month on water. Which yeah. is high for us. And we have a well and we have rainwater tanks, but when you're in a severe like no no rain for ten months, you know, it's a whole new game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, so we have utilities we pay. I would say our highest utilities we ever pay is about hundred and fifty dollars a month between natural gas, sewer, water, electricity, like anything possible. And our lowest is typically like forty, fifty bucks a month. So yeah. now keep in mind too, we pay our well, one of our cars is electric, which we power off our solar system. And then the other car we make our biofuel for, from waste vegetable oil. 
And then the third car, we run on straight vegetable oil. So that's another thing. Yeah. Because getting around the desert, it's, you know, it's 200 miles for us to get to, it's, it's really a 300-mile round trip for us to go to Albuquerque. Near a city, yeah. So, you know, okay. we, we need to some fuel if we want to do that regularly, especially if I'm taking contract work or anything that has me driving around. Yeah. But most of your work doesn't have you driving around, I've, uh, if I understood correctly. Yeah, most of the time we don't leave our compound. Yeah, most of the time we don't work. Right. That's. We can yeah. work for two months here. That's that works out well for both of us. You know? Yes. Actually, yeah. That that starts year, to. Go ahead. Well, as you say, this year it's been a real trade-off. Get back to your food question: how much we produce because it's been a drought year, and we didn't spend much time in the garden because Wendy's been writing a book, and I've been taking some contract work. And we'll feel that this winter. You know, we did not do a lot of pressure canning and save, you know, all our tomatoes for the winter. You know, we did not go out and harvest uh, wild foods for several hours a day. So this winter, we're not going to have much stored up. And it's because we took contract work during our harvest period. So we've kind of learned a lesson that, uh, you know, if you're going to work for two months a year, don't do it when you're usually gathering all your food. (laughs) And there's another lesson in that, which is, when you reach a point of independence, there's a time at which having a job becomes expensive because it takes you away from the things you're doing to provide for your quality of life. Okay, yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, imagine, uh, again, I go to my grandfather. He's one of my favorite people. Um, my grandfather knows nothing of the Internet, and of, you know, of course. Um, but when it came and it comes to farming, he's the man. Uh, you know, as long as there's daylight, and even at night there are certain activities, but as long as there's daylight, he's got something he's supposed to be doing. Uh, I can only imagine nowadays, you know, this version of my grandfather, but with internet world, of every, from everything from maybe distributing to uh, learning other techniques, I mean, it, it probably would have been impossible to be a farmer, um, at least his way, uh, which probably I need to go talk to farmers of today. Um, to really learn how it works. But I, I get what you're saying when it comes to, yeah, a real job can take away uh, from the time that you need for your quality of life. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, and it might be a little too early in the time that you've been there, has there been anyone that was so inspired that they moved in right down the street and you know came from New York City and did a little bit of what you're doing? doesn't have to be from New York. Okay, we have had people move in from New York City to this small town because we were here playing a big role of that. Um, you know, we kind of facilitated their move and was had several people. But we haven't had any, like, copycats come in, which I would love, by the way. We would encourage you to move Please here. Please come, yeah. And, Wait. you know, start a big garden and see how self-sufficient you can be out here. I would love to see that. But I don't think we've had that happen have we? we no we have an influence on the people who are here you know a lot of people want to know how to do the things we do um what we have a lot of a lot is people writing to us asking us lots of specific questions like you know they describe their life they're in a city this is what my work this is my debt this is my arrangement how do i get out how do i get to where you are what are the steps and they'll often have like particular questions we get a lot of that yeah and you and you handle it you you respond i mean yeah yeah that's where you're also great i get the how do i escape to europe emails which i often (laughs) don't know you know i try to answer it but i'm always like cautious with the it's not necessarily an escape all right i'm you know no promises over here either 
Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that is interesting. You have an influence that way as well. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to check on. You know, in these communities where, like you said, you know, you're known as the kids. Uh, I'm wondering how many more kids, you know, are showing up. And, uh, and let me ask, when it comes to municipal civic life, are you, are they trying to pull you in and saying, come on, you want to run for whatever they have there, mayor, uh, uh, council person? Oh, yeah. Commissioner, mayor, mayor, head president. of the community garden, <laughs> head of the Bountiful Alliance. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we have to go to a six hour meeting tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. where they're going to probably try to talk me into being at least head of community kitchen. Right. And, oh, you know, to be honest, we thought we'd be more into those community activities, but we've really not been much of a player in those specific. Well, we started out getting a little more involved than we are now. Um, it's not, I, I think for me, it's a little early for me. Like, there are things I want to do first, and I have energy. I'm not a retiree. I see yeah. these roles of sitting on boards and being president of committees or whatever as something that comes later in life. Um, personally, also, I am from another generation than the people I would be doing this with. And I find that their manners around how they go about it is an old school approach. And I'm a lot less linear <laughs> and left brain and a lot more emotional and um, interactive. So it's a, there's a culture shift. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was curious about that as well. Well, I mean, it sounds good in the, in the sense that they do want you involved and you have your choice, I guess, to some extent, if you really want to get involved. That's better than, for example, being completely excluded in, in, in that kind of way. Yeah, they're inclusive. We walk yeah. a lot, you know. We try to participate without uh, getting in too deep, and then um, we also try not to be too remote. Ah. Yeah. Is 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 a place like that in trouble? I mean, there's you, so your hope, and not only hope, but you're in practice, uh, uh, perhaps helping. But is a town like that in trouble when it comes to the future and and you know people leaving and? I don't think so. In fact, no. I think they're ahead of the game. You know they. It's kind of like you, you hear about all these nonprofits, like going out to these remote places, Papua New Guinea, Africa, whatever, trying to teach people and set up education and blah, blah, blah. And like in, in, in the swing of that, they're teaching people our ways and to give up their ways when actually the way the world is moving, we need to preserve their ways. And that's what we have here. I mean, ranchers know the land. They know animals. They know the weather, how to read the sky. This is like innate natural knowledge that's all but lost. And I think it, I think there'll never really be a problem here. Yeah. It's good. I, I, the population here has gone down a little since we moved. I mean, less than 1%. But um, overall, we've actually seen a lot of economic push here in the last year. Like a lot of properties that were getting kind of dilapidated have been really fixed up. And not just like fixed up with like a coat of paint, but... You know, yeah. people really dropping more than the property cost into into renovations. So it's actually gentrifying here slowly. It is. And, you know, we welcome that, too, to some degree, because it was a really impoverished town, and it was a little rough for us. And we're willing to stick it out like someone would stick it out in Williamsburg 20 years ago when there were crackheads everywhere, and now it's, you know, the complete opposite of just hipsters yes. everywhere. Maybe yeah. well, crack. <laughs> let's not forget. So there's one big thing happening here, which is, you know, Virgin Galactic's spaceport is being built 30 miles away from our door. Oh. So the first consumer flights to the lower atmosphere are about to kick off. 
you know, uh-huh. there's going to be a lot of economic development around that because the scientific community wants to haul stuff up to space, blah, blah, blah. Tourism. Yeah. Those space tourists are going to stop in at your place on their way yeah. to the station. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into that a little bit. Uh, I didn't ask you about it. The part of your project was to make um, a, a, what do you call it? Not a hotel, but a, a eco-friendly okay. place to stay. <laughs> this is my favorite part of these conversations. So, you know, we came in and said, yeah, you know, we need to, like, figure out a way to make money. And we left the city. And we thought that'd be really brilliant. And then, you know, when you move to New Mexico, just so we know, hordes of people come to visit you. Like people who know someone, who knows someone, who knows you, start calling and everybody wants to come over. And we realized very quickly, we do not want guests. (laughs) And the last thing we should do is build an echo lodge. (laughs) Right, right. We're not doing that. Okay. Okay, just yeah. checking on that one. Yeah, I, I didn't make that connection. All I right. think it's important, like, when people go to Homestead, that they do make some sort of plan for themselves, like what their economic future would be, you know? Like, like well, I'm not going to have a job, so I'll work on this project, and that'll make me income in the future. And we had, that was our story for ourselves, we'll build Neco Lodge. Yeah. But, like Wendy said, we realized we're no good at that. Change. So we found fun. other ways. It's fine because in the pursuit of that, which we loved anyway, it's like, let's learn how to make a building that you and I could build without any help and no experience. Like We went through all these amazing challenges and then all that we learned still became useful in the pursuit of earning money. I mean, now we do consulting work. I got to write a book. Like, you know, um, I think Mikey said it well. You need to like just throw yourself toward a goal, even if it becomes a stupid goal later. Right. It's good to have a story to start you off. I get that. Because yeah, right. yeah. everyone's well, ask. What's your story? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I know. They want to put you in their in their little categories as well. You know, this is what they're doing. Um, uh, silly question, but I'll, I'll I'll throw it in as well. Your families, they understand what you're doing. I mean, I suppose if they've come and visited you, then they really understand it. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much they get it. I mean, my parents were really angry with me for a long time for quitting a, a job that paid well. Um, I mean, they w- it wasn't angry like, we're not going to talk to you again and you're not our son. It was more like, um, what, what, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think they've, they've come to visit. Um, and I don't know if they really understand or appreciate what we do so much as they're just like okay with it now. And it's been almost, you know, it's been over five years, so it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. My parents kind of get it, actually, a little bit more. Hmm. But, you know, they also think it's kind of nuts. Like, why, why did you go in the city and pursue these other things? Why did you go to college? <laughs> From our perspective, we think, like, we're really, like, Smart. ahead of the curve. Like, yeah. This is the way that, this, this is what you'll be doing in the next five years, maybe in Portugal or who knows where, but we think that everyone will shift. Like, we have friends that have, you know, really surpassed us in a way and, like, left the city, bought a farm, and started a 50-person CSA in a year. Yeah, we're, know? like, envious of that. We're like, really? Yeah. How, much, how much honey did you produce in your first year? Like, how did you do that? Like, like we don't, we can't understand how people can pick up the learning curve that fast, but some people just have it. And, yeah. and you know, we should say on that, in that regard, like, when we left and got out here, we were so convinced, before the market crash, before the economic slide, we were so convinced that money was going to have no value in about five minutes that every day we would be like, okay, what are we going to need for this apocalypse? <laughs> Let's get a Vitamix. we got to turn our cash into useful things because cash yeah. will be useful. Let's yeah. get a cement mixer, you know? 
Did did you get a cement mixer? Yeah, yeah. A concrete mixer. Oh, yeah. 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 oh, cause the, you did it for the paper Yes, yes. yes. Right. Well, no, that's, that, that's oh. yeah. We have three oh. of them actually. So <laughs> okay. different applications. All right. Um, you know, we're when we met, all we did was like for 250 days, we just made shit together. You yeah. know, we're made, so we should have tools and we should just make stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's been a real pleasure, is what I meant to say, to hear the story. And I mean, really, thank you for doing what you're doing because uh, you're right. Uh, in a couple of years, I'm going to be way behind, and I'm going to be asking questions of people like you or you specifically. Um, but it's it's really wonderful. And the great part is uh, that you've been sharing this online. That's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, you could have kept this to yourself, and uh, no, you share it, and that's the funnest part, to be able to read and watch uh, these specific activities that you're working on, the challenges. Like you said, a lot of times that you don't actually know how to do, but you're learning, and so you show it, which is, which is great. Um, for people who want to follow that, of course, it's uh, one place that I went is to um, blog.holyscraphotsprings.com. Uh, or if you just Google Holy Scrap Hot Springs, that'll come up. Um, are there any other links? I know you have your personal websites as well, which are linked from there, uh, so people can follow your work. Also, the shop that you mentioned, Mikey, uh, I think it's linked via your page. Yes. Uh, if you're at the blog, which you gave out, Mark, that'll link to all of our relevant uh, you know, YouTube videos, Flickr, store, uh, our personal sites. They're all linked from the blog. Okay, great. And and the blog, you're still it's it lives. You're still adding content. Yeah, we're still uh, we're we're doing. I mean, as many as five posts a day, and uh, they're kind of minor. But you know, we use the blog uh, a great deal for ourselves, just to monitor garden activity from year to year, to uh, to log information, to, to kind of have a perspective sure. of when things bloom and when you know the last harvest was, and it, it's really helpful for us just for uh, going back historically. So. Okay. That's why we're so apt about logging these really minor things. Sure, no, but it's fine. It, it, and it's like you said, you can, you have it as a sort of collection of information, and it's great to be able to look back on it. Because I thought when I first came to the site, I said, you know what, I want to start at the beginning. And so I went back to the beginning of your site. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, and yeah, I hope very much to hear from you in the future and without being too much of a pain, I might show up at your door in the near future. I've never, ever been to that corner of the United States. Um, but I'll give you fair warning before I do. Thank you.
Land is stone.